see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Miller. Thank you for joining us this morning. You're in for a treat. Today, we're going to have Tony Butner with us, and he's going to talk about the blue, the blue Zones solution. The Blue Zones, eating and living like the world's healthiest people. Were you aware of the fact that there are people in the world who are healthier than the rest of us? Well, there are, and Tony Butner is going to tell us about those people today. Tony Butner is a national spokesperson and senior leader at Blue Zones. He's brother to founding partner Dan Butner. In fact, it's a whole family affair. One of the sons is involved, which I believe is Tony's nephew. Tony is a former expedition member. We may have time to hear about his expeditions and his explorations. He's a Blue Zones and Blue Zones Project expert. Welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics, Tony. We lost him. We lost him? Well, folks, we lost him, so I'm going to just tell you about the Blue Zones while Mike is attempting to get him back on the telephone. Here's what happened. Dan Butner and his team went around the world meeting with, interviewing, and researching those people in the world who live longer than the rest of us. But these people don't just live a little bit longer than the rest of us. They live 10 years longer than the rest of us. Just think about it. 10 years. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a serious amount of time. And they're telling us, these people, in five different areas of the world that they located... These people are not only living 10 years longer, they are, also, they are also living better. And what does it mean to be better? Well, people in their hundreds, yes, 100, 105, 107 years old, are living just like we live when we're in our 40s, 50s, and 60s. The Butners are interviewing people who are working full jobs on the farm, in hospitals, at 97 and 105. The Butners are bringing us people, a surgeon who's doing surgery at 97 years of age. How about that? Just think about it. Sit back and think about it. Think about how, where we are we live to 70, 75, 77 on the average. And these people are sitting around with their friends who they've known and have been hanging around with for 98 years. Is that, think about sitting around in your house with a group of friends that you've known for 98 years. Okay, that's the background. Do we have Tony back on the air? Are you yes, back here? here? Oh, you're here. Great, Tony. I've been giving our listeners a little background 
on what you and your brother and your nephew and, uh, and the other people at the Blue Zones have been doing, uh, identifying the five areas of the world where people live 10 years longer, but not only longer, but stronger. So with that background, I'm so glad you're back on. I want you to start telling us uh, some background about the start of the Blue Zone. Just a little bit about the start, and then I want you to tell us about the five areas and what we know about them. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having me on. I I very much appreciate it. About 15 years ago, we were approached by National Geographic and the National Institute of Aging uh, asking us if we'd be interested in finding the longest-lived populations on Earth and putting together a team to deep dive into these places to understand why they live so long, what are the commonalities that, that drives this extraordinary longevity. We, we started by looking at the Danish twin studies that established that um, genes, uh, only 20% of your genes drives your longevity, 80%. Uh, Tony, one second, I need to interrupt you. If you could kindly just move a little bit away from your microphone, we're getting kind of a sputter as you speak. How's that? Um, a little bit better. Let's okay. Tr- okay. So, so, so 80% of your longevity is, is tied to your, your uh, environments and lifestyles. So our approach was to simply find geographically defined, demographically confirmed places where people uh, live long lives, in most cases to age 100 at about 10 times the rate of what we see here in America with only about a fifth of the rate of chronic diseases that we face. So this is an ongoing worldwide longevity study. We're in our 15th year, and we've identified five places. Uh, the first... One second, uh, Tony. One, just one second before you go on to the five places you've identified. If I understand you correctly, and please correct me if I'm mistaken here, I heard you say that science has told us that 80%, 80% of our longevity is contributed to by environmental factors, and only 20% by genetics. Is that correct? That is correct. 80% of how long you live is tied to environments and lifestyles. Listeners, this is an extremely important piece of science. This is telling us that we are not programmed as to how long we're going to live or how we live, and that we have 80% of the contribution to our longevity in our own control. Thank you, Tony. Let's move on. That's, an impo- that's so important for us all to know, because, Tony, what that says to us is that we have say about how long we live. That's right, and I agree with that, and research backs that up. Uh, medical researchers tell us that the human body is, is engineered to live to about a healthy age 90. The reality here in America is, on average, we're living to age 78, and we're leaving 12 good years on the table, years that we have control over. What we find in Blue Zones area is where these populations get sick, they get sick and die very fast, typically on average about nine months, whereas here in America, on average, each of us will spend the last 10 years of our life 
fighting a chronic disease, chronic disease that is typically preventable. So, yes, we do have control. Okay. So you identified these areas, and let's talk some about them. The one I'd like you to talk about uh, first, of course, is the one right here in California, Loma Linda, California. Tell us about what you found down there. Well, it's an interesting community. Uh, You actually take the San Bernardino Freeway to the Loma Linda exit. And once you exit, on your left-hand side is a wiener hut, and on your right-hand side is a Del Taco. So you've arrived at America's longevity hotspot. But what we find here in a community, an American city with about 28,000 people with the same challenges as almost every community in our country But what we find here is a population that's living on average 10 years longer than we do. We find a large concentration of seven-day Adventists. And something called the Adventist Health Study has been tracking this population for over three decades, and it's considered a gold standard epidemiology study. And and from it, we we were able to find some extraordinary data. Men in this population live 11 years longer on average than other Americans and women about nine years. Uh, this is a population that takes their diet right from the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 to 29, where it talks about greens and nuts and legumes and fruits. What we find here in this population is a whole population that takes a 24-hour sanctuary of time where they focus on friends, family, and faith, and they downshift. So reversing stress, reversing stress that causes inflammation and inflammation that causes many preventable diseases. They call it a 24-hour sanctuary of time from sunset on Friday to sunset on Saturday. They stop everything. I noticed, Tony, that that, uh, when I was reading the book, that it says exactly what you said just now, that their Sabbath starts on Friday night and goes till Saturday night, which is, even though the Seventh-day Adventists are definitely a, a, a Protestant group, their Sabbath is the same as the Jewish Sabbath. And that's an interesting phenomenon um, in and of itself. Uh, uh, now tell us, what do they typically do on a Saturday? Well, they, they simply focus on, on three things. They focus on friends, family, and faith. So they take nature walks. Uh, we often see them participating in these plant-based potlucks. So uh, families and friends all get together. People will bring a healthy meal. They exchange recipes. They support their aging parents. Um, they focus on the family core and friends. And, and our research amongst uh, Loma Linda shows that this committed social network and, and this bond of friendships has a profound effect on this population. And yet, are they still working as fast and furiously as the rest of America? Are they running around in their cars? Are they moving as quickly as the rest of the population? Or do they seem to be slowing their pace somewhat? Well, this 24-hour sanctuary of time is is certainly a time where they slow their pace. Uh, We do, though, see uh, in the other six days during the week, they have the same schedules, the same challenges, and live the same lives as we do. 
one of the extraordinary uh, people that we met in Loma Linda is a doctor by the name of Ellsworth Wareham, a physician that at age 97 was still participating with uh, 20 open heart surgeries a month. So uh, we certainly see a strong work ethic and um, uh, and the same stresses that uh, we have in, in communities all across the country. So would it be correct that your research is indicating that even though in so many ways they're living the same as the rest of us Americans, the one way that they're living differently is what they're eating, their nutritional plan, must and, and, and this one day off, are those are the two very significant differences between this group and the rest of us? Is that correct? That is correct. Their nutritional plan, folks, and their one day a week totally off, where they associate with their friends and family, those are the two differentiating factors. Let's move into a little more specifics, please, about their nutritional plan that is having such an effect on their longevity. Nutritionally, the seven-day Adventists uh, uh, eat a, uh, a plant-based whole grain diet. Um, a couple of, of, uh, of liquids that they drink, are primarily water and coffee, you see them drinking anywhere from eight to ten glasses of water a day. Uh, they eat lots of nuts, no um, processed foods, and again, primarily plant-based whole grain diet. One of the things I see again and again in your book is a, um, a commentary about the importance of eating nuts during the week. Will you comment to us on that, please? Well, a high uh, source of protein, um, uh, very filling and good for you. So instead of grabbing a Snickers bar or some processed food or chips, you you'll see them be between meals uh, uh, snacking on a handful of nuts. I actually think I read one comment in the book, uh, Tony, that said if you do nothing more than eat uh, five servings of nuts a week, you can add two years to your life. Research will back that up. Research will back that up. In fact, your book lists about four or five things each of which contributes two years to longevity. I thought that in and of itself is fascinating. So the people in Loma Loma Linda, California, because of their religion, not because particularly uh, of their interest in nutrition originally, but it came originally from following their religion, but it happened to be a nutritional plan that put them into this blue zone. Do they they, uh, drink alcohol? They don't. Um, I think in any population you see outliers, but amongst uh, the seven-day Adventists, they do not drink alcohol. And what about exercise? Are they active people? Very active people. So we see uh, through these social networks during their the, the time that they're downshifting, they, they often take nature walks as a family core with friends um, and, and very active population. Let's jump from Loma Linda, California, to Ikaria, Greece. Tell us about the people in Ikaria, Greece. Well, it was actually the last uh, blue zone that we found. And really, um, 
the only one that was uh, somewhat isolated until the early 70s. This is an island right off the coast of Turkey. There's about 8,000 people that live there. And, and what's extraordinary about this uh, population is they live as a population eight years longer uh, than we do. And we see almost no chronic disease or dementia. So a population that eats primarily a Mediterranean-style diet, um, lots of herbs and spices. We found over 150 that grow wild on the island, um, and they use them in everything. They infuse teas and drinks. Uh, they use these herbs and spices in the preparation of their meals. And early research is looking at the connection between these herbs and spices and the lack of dementia. We also see a population that isn't afraid to take a nap, again, to refresh, to downshift. Uh, this population will fast occasionally. Again, we see this construct of family and friends uh, as a priority and population that chooses goat's milk over cow's milk. Goat's milk over cow's milk. Do, uh, how important is socializing? Is that, that is one of the principles, isn't it, that socializing is very important to these five groups? It is. Uh, again, making friends and family a priority. We know today that people that you hang out with, your three best friends, um, uh, provide an extraordinary uh, outcome in your well-being. Uh, we know that if your three best friends smoke tobacco, you have 160% greater chance of smoking. And it's the same with obesity and depression and loneliness. But we also know if your three best friends are, are sharing positive motivation to you, you have 160% greater chance of being healthy. So if you look at a circle of friends that are kicking you out of bed in the morning to go for a walk or a run. Uh, these social networks are contagious. Social networks are contagious. As contagious as a cold. That's fascinating. Who you associate with affects how long you live. That's right. Icaria Greece. What do we know about their being in the 21st century? Are they involved with cell phones and computers and drones and getting everywhere as fast as they can? Or do they live a quieter life than the rest of us? They certainly live a quieter life. It's difficult to get to Icaria. Um, there, there is some tourism there, but I would say of all the blue zones, a little more isolated, uh, thus coming into the 21st century a little slower. Uh, we have seen longevity drop um, in these original blue zones uh, because of uh, uh, outside influences like fast food restaurants, um, the internet, and, and a faster-paced life. But here at Icaria, Greece, um, still a little slower-paced. So that's an important consideration, what, what I heard you just say, which is as what we call modern living is moving into these blue zones, they're, if I understood you correctly, they're losing their longevity. Is that right? That's correct. That is correct. 
And what is contributing to that? Do you think they're actually, if nutrition is one of the major contributing variables to longevity, and I believe that's what you're saying as a Blue Zone person, if, if nutrition is the major contributing variable, are you saying that as modernization encroaches on the five Blue Zones, they're losing their longevity? That, that is correct. Their longevity, uh, the differentiate, uh, differentiation of their longevity is starting to be reduced. So the more uh, modern influence, um, the more cars, um, the faster-paced life, uh, fast food restaurants and processed foods, and the breakdown of family and of faith, and of friends is all um, factors that will contribute to uh, these places' edge on longevity. What a fascinating thing. Here on the one hand, modern science is helping us live longer by combating the diseases that we ourselves create. And on the other hand, modern science is bringing these diseases into the places where they're already living 10 years longer than the rest of us. That's right. But I, I do think a, uh, a, when we look at places like Loma Linda, California, um, by sticking to uh, nine commonalities that this population um, enacts in their life, it, it goes to show that you can combat um, these outside influences and live a long, healthy life. So the five areas, folks, that, uh, that Tony and his family uh, have identified as, and, and are calling the Blue Zones are uh, Ikaria, Greece, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy, Loma Linda, California, and the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. Uh, are there any of the other five that you want to talk about before we go on to description of what you have gleaned as the core principles of longevity? Yeah, I think it's worth just touching on Okinawa, Japan. Uh, we look at Okinawa as being ground zero for longevity, and we believe that every community in America wants what Okinawa, Okinawa has. They have this extraordinary longevity profile. They have the longest-lived women. Uh, on average, they live 12 years longer than we do here in America. The whole population lives uh, seven years longer uh, free of disease. They have five times as many centenarians, one-fifth the rate of breast and colon cancer, and one-sixth the rate of cardiovascular disease. And I think there's a lot to be learned uh, from that. And, and what we found uh, primarily uh, in Okinawa um, outside of, of diet and natural movement, was this concept of committed social networks of friends. At a very young age, um, parents bring their young children to the city center, and they're put in these groups uh, of five to eight little boys or five to eight little girls, and these social networks are called moais. And these people actually travel together through life. So you have this built-in uh, friendships that you, that you travel through life that support each other in good times and bad, 
Uh, we found a few of these moais where the average age uh, of, of five participants were over 100 years. They'd been in this friendship, in this moai for 97 years. Another component that we found um, very interesting was this, this sense of purpose. In Okinawa, there isn't even a word for retirement. And we know um, the year you retire is the second most dangerous year of life. Instead, the Okinawans have this term called ikigai. Uh, and when you have it translated, it simply means the reason I get up in the morning. So uh, this population can articulate that mission statement. It, it, it is what drives their interest and their days and their life and gets them on a bed. And I think there's a lot to be learned from that. So now we're adding two other factors uh, to the major contribution of nutrition. And one is this, uh, the way you're describing it, uh, enhanced, we might say, enhanced socialization. And the other is purpose. Of course, purpose speaks right to my existential heart because we, we believe that uh, that creating meaning in life is, is essential for living a good life, and purpose is basically saying the same thing. So we have nutrition, socialization, not socialization, socializing, nutrition, socializing, and purpose. Correct? That's right. Ikaria, Greece, Loma Linda, and Okinawa. Now, what... Uh, are they eating similarly to these other four groups in Okinawa? Uh, they are. Again, mostly a plant-based, whole-grain diet. Certainly they're, um, they're using um, other types of spices, and sweet potatoes has is, is really been uh, an extraordinary staple to that diet. I, I'd like to go back to um, uh, these social networks and just touch on one interesting point. Um, we researched the Framingham study and found that 30 years ago, the average American had three best friends that they could uh, count on on a good day and bad day that would actually listen. And what we find today is that we're down to about one, just in 30 years. So when we look at um, things that drive isolation and loneliness, which drive addictions, suicide, mental health. I think, again, there's a lot to learn there. But to your point, um, what we found in our research of the Blue Zone areas were nine commonalities that we see over and over and over again. Uh, we call that the power nine, and we believe they're, they're lessons for each of us to learn from, to live a longer, happier life. And I'd like to share those with you. Okay, before you share the power nine, the nine principles of living 10 to 12 years longer than the average American, a quick break for me to remind you all that this is Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Miller, and today we're talking to Tony Butner, one of the family that brings us the Blue Zones the five areas of the world that have been identified as places where people live on the average. Not only do they live 10 years longer than the rest of us, but they live robustly with less disease. Okay, Tony, you're going to tell us about the nine principles that you have gleaned from these five areas. 
Take it from Absolutely. the top. Yes. I will. So at the top of the pyramid is these populations move. They move naturally. On average, their environments or their lifestyles are move, are nudging them into movement every 20 minutes. These populations do not belong to gyms. They don't run marathons. Instead, um, they're nudged into physical movement. Almost every activity around their homes or their communities are nudging them into active movement. Just the opposite of what we have spent decades in the United States doing, which is nudging ourselves into less movement. I read it in the book, in the Blue Zone book, suggestions such as instead of using a TV remote, get up and change the channel. Because by doing that, the number of minutes of motion by the end of the year is quite significant. The same thing with you mentioned in the book, uh, opening up your garage door by hand rather than using the remote. Why? Because if you multiply that motion that you just took to get out of the car, open the door, get back in the car, and then close the door again by thousands of times a year, it adds up to some real motion. And what you're telling us, Tony, is that building motion into your day rather than building convenience and lack of motion is essential. It's one of the nine principles of longevity. That's right. I think when you look at things like gym memberships, obviously uh, working out and going to the gym is good, but it causes each and every one of us to extract the will the will to do it enough and long enough to make a difference. And the reality is, if we had 100 people join a gym today, we'd lose 10% of that population in three months. We'd lose 90% uh, in seven months. And after two years, we'd have three people going to the gym. Uh, instead, these zone areas <laughs> have a- created these environments and lifestyles that subtly but relentlessly nudge them into movement every day for their whole life. And I think that's the point here. The small things that you can do on a repetitive basis long enough to make a difference. I laughed when you, when you said at the end of two years you're down to three people because I've been going to the gym for 40 or 50 years and sometimes I, I notice that it's the same group of us who are there and we are, the, the new ones come and the new ones go, but it's the same people who are there all the time. That's right. So, and again, But I, the I, underlying I, message that's so important here, folks, is for us to look for ways to build motion into our daily lives. I think that's what the Blue Zone people are telling us. We've that's got, right. we've got a, we've got, when we go to a restaurant in a car, if we go to a restaurant, we have to be thinking about purposely parking further away rather than parking in front of the restaurant. When we go to a building with an elevator, we've got to be thinking about taking the steps instead of the elevator. So many of the things that we've built into our lives supposedly for convenience are doing us in. Huh? Let's move on to some of the other principles, Tony. Absolutely. The next tier of the pyramid is these populations had the right outlook. They had strategies to reduce stress. We call it downshifting. So 
when we look at that, well, what does that mean? Well, in these populations, it was the little things like uh, going to church or meditating uh, or doing yoga or gardening or having dinner with the family every night. Or in Sardinia, it could be as simple as going to happy hour. But they had time-honored traditions that helped them downshift, reduce stress, stress that is associated with inflammation and inflammation that is associated with chronic diseases. So we look at the learnings of the longest-lived populations and and how can we implement uh, our own time-honored strategies to take that time uh, to reduce stress. Uh, Secondly, they had a profound sense of purpose and they lived it. Uh, research tells us today, uh, people that, uh, that have a mission statement and wake up every day living that mission live seven years longer than those that don't. In Okinawa, Japan, as I mentioned earlier, it was Ikigai. In Costa Rica, it was Plan de Vida. But in all the blue zones, these extraordinarily long-lived people could articulate what their mission statement is, and they lived it. Having a purpose in life. What's next, Tony? What are the other principles? They ate wisely. Um, These populations ate primarily uh, plants and whole grains, as I mentioned, um, uh, on average about 95% of their diet. When they did eat uh, animal protein, Uh, We did uh, over 150 or researched 150 dietary studies uh, for each of the blow zones over the last 100 years. And on average, they would eat uh, animal protein five times a month. On average, it was usually a celebratory event, and the average portion size was about three to four ounces. So you don't see a population eating the uh, 29-ounce T-bone steak or prime rib. Um, we believe that uh, beans uh, are the blue zone, a uh, superfood, and uh, the cornerstone of all these diets. They're they're inexpensive, they're easy to prepare, they're good for you, and they're filling. Uh, we we found these populations to have um, uh, ways to not overeat. Um, again, in Okinawa, they have a phrase that's called "hare hache boo." that they say before every meal, and it simply means stop eating when you're 80% full. I love that. They would eat. I love it. I've already right. taken it on. I told my wife last night, Harihachi Boo is going to be what we say to ourselves before we have dinner every night. Again, if you look at those things that you can do every day that, will, that you can do for long periods of time, imagine being able to, with that simple activity, reduce 20% of your caloric intake and what that would mean. Because what? Americans didn't get obese on thousands of extra calories a day. They, they got obese and overweight with just 100 or 200. So imagine being able to just take that out of every meal. What kind of beans are these folks eating? Is it one kind more than others? Teach us a little about beans. Oh, you see, uh, 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 red beans, of course, cornerstone of a Mesopotamian diet. Um, you see... Um, uh, 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 black-eyed peas, so a large, a large um, um, uh, a choice of beans. Not really one over the next. It's not really one over the next. It's beans. 
That's right. Um, as far as not overeating, again, these populations typically pre-plate their food in the, in the kitchen. They put the leftovers away and they eat in another room. Uh, they eat off of smaller plates, and I think this is very interesting. On average, they're eating off of 10-inch plates. Uh, here in America, our, our, our parents and grandparents' dinner plates on average were about 10 inches. But if you look at your dinner plate and your cupboard tonight, on average, you'll find a 13-inch dinner plate. And it doesn't seem like a lot. It's just three inches. But when you calculate the surface area, it's an additional 71% surface area. So when you're eating a family style, we just simply mindlessly eat. Um, these populations ate breakfast like kings, they'd eat lunch like princes, and, and would eat dinner like paupers. So again, what can we learn um, from these concepts to enact in our own life? Some of these things you say, you know, so smoothly, and, and, and they're little nuggets of richness uh, I heard you just build right into the conversation the importance of putting the food on the plate in the kitchen rather than serving what we call family style. And so much of us have been brought up to love family style where there's a huge portion and a big platter right on the table, and so you keep helping yourself as you're eating. And here you're reminding us that if you just put the food on the plate in the other room, that's how much you bring to the table. I, I love that little tip. And the size of the plates, all these things add up at the end of the year, don't they? Each one of these That's little right. variables adds up to so much. Uh, what about this um, this uh, uh, wine at 5 o'clock? Some of the five groups actually do drink wine. Tell us about that. We actually found uh, some alcohol consumption amongst the seven-day Adventists, but in all the other uh, Blue Zones areas, on average... Um, we would see a women consuming about six ounces a day, men about double that. Um, but this was almost always with a healthy meal or with friends or with family. And certainly for those that had a healthy relationship with alcohol. Um, and, and it was a big social component of downshifting or spending time with family or friends or eating a healthy meal. And there's research out there that talks about the benefits of red wine, a glass of red wine with a Mediterranean diet that we see in um, at least three of these blue zones. Um, a significant number of uh, people in the United States uh, have uh, major issues with uh, controlling their alcohol intake, and we, uh, we have these names for them that, of course, my profession is made up, such as alcoholic you know, we like to stamp names and, and, uh, on people. Uh, I personally uh, refer to these behaviors as, uh, as impulse control disorders, where we, we lose control of our impulses and, and we overdo whatever the particular thing is. Um, what can you tell us about uh, any tendencies to overdo uh, alcohol drinking in these five groups? Sure. We saw very little of it. I, you know, I remember growing up, 40 uh, years ago in an Italian family and our, you know, our Sunday brunches, um, there was always a liter of wine on the table and it wasn't about let's drink the whole liter and, and get drunk. Uh, it was part of the meal and part of the social interaction. And, and what we see in the blue zone areas again is, is the, the, the focus is on 
downshifting and friends and, and family um, and not consuming um, exorbitant amounts of alcohol. So it's just, it's like having a, a glass of milk to them um, or a glass of tea. So are you saying that alcoholism, as it is referred to, is, is significantly less frequent in these five zones? That was our observation. Much significantly less frequent. And, and what about drug use in these five places? Do they use drugs, what we refer to as drugs, uh, pills that you take and, and ingest and change your, uh, your physical and emotional state? see very, very little of that. You see very strong sense of faith and family and healthy friendships um, that are just built into uh, these cultures. You, you see almost no um, uh, taking of anything like a supplement. Um, uh, it's their, their healthy living and the power nine commonalities that, that drive health uh, and well-being. Are the people uh, in these five areas, are they aware of their good fortune? It's interesting. Um, they're not. Um, when we talk to uh, these uh, centenarians, we talk to 263 in five of these blue zones, and not one of them told us that they woke up every morning with this concept or desire to live to age 100. What they did was, again, they lived in environments and had lifestyles that simply subtly but relentlessly drove them into healthy behaviors and longevity ensued. Can people start living a blue zone life at any age, or is this something you have to either start when you're young or it's too late? People can start implementing the learnings of the longest-lived populations at any time in their life. On our website at bluezones.com, we have what's called the True Vitality Test, and it's 34 questions that your listeners can take. It's free, um, and it will, uh, it will yield to you um, what your uh, longevity uh, will be, uh, on average, as you answer those questions, when you can expect a uh, chronic disease to uh, to start, uh, how many years you've either lost or gained because of your behaviors, and it will give you a prescriptive list of activities uh, from the Power Nine that you can implement into your life, and will share with you on average how many days, or in some cases years, uh, you can in- increase your longevity. Again, this is is an average, um, and it's been built by the University of Minnesota, but a great way to baseline where you're at now and come up with some personal um, ideas on how you can start to live a longer, better life. I'll have to take the test again, Tony. I, I took it last night, but I didn't uh, come upon that the parts that you're talking about where they're uh, making suggestions or telling me at what stage I'm going to get disease but it did tell me that I'm going to live to 96 and a half years, which I was very pleased with. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded pretty good. Uh, but more importantly, if I'm going to live that long, to live that long healthily. I don't want to spend the last 10 years, as you pointed out earlier in the program, uh, d- uh, just dealing with disease as a way of life. 
that uh, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Okay, I so- think the fo- I think the focus should be putting years into your life and life into those years and life into those years. So, folks, we you're hearing about these nine principles: move naturally, build it into your day, have a purpose in your life, downshift and reduce stress, practice the eighty percent rule, which is the hari hachi boo. Go away from the table when you've eaten 80%. The plant slant, moving towards plants, 95%, and meat, 5%. A glass or two of wine at 5 o'clock. Hanging out with the right people, others who are practicing the health. Having a sense of community and putting your loved ones first. Those are the nine principles that you can find in the book, The Blue Zones, The Blue Zone Solution. Tony... How has being a blue zoner affected your personal life? Well, it's been, it's been profound for me. Prior to uh, coming on board with uh, Blue Zones permanently six years ago, I lived in the Caribbean for 20 years. I owned a wholesale company and actually owned a beach shop right on the beach. I was living America's dream, um, but I was miserable because personally – I didn't have that sense of purpose. I was away from my family and loved ones. Um, so uh, moving back to Minnesota, uh, uh, coming back to uh, Blue Zones, um, I planted a garden. So my wife and I have a garden we tend to during the summer. So we're out there together connecting. We're moving naturally, and we're eating uh, fresh uh, fruits and, and vegetables. Um, one of the concepts of moving naturally is uh, how can you set up your environment so you do that? And, and, and our re- research points to one very interesting thing you can do, and that is to buy or adopt a dog. And it doesn't seem like much, but when you come home for work every day, what do you have to do with your dog? You need to walk them. So uh, we have a dog. Uh, we have a very uh, a strong uh, sense of are putting our family first and the people that uh, we we hang out with. Um, uh, we've added more plants to our diet, um, and, and we're moving. Uh, so profoundly for us, it's, it's living a sense of purpose. Being a psychologist, one thing that I noticed was lacking in the book, sorry to put it that way, or that it was seemingly omitted in the book, is information about the sex lives of these people who live so long. Is there something you can tell me, or is that an area that's yet to be studied? No, I can't. I mean, we didn't dive uh, 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 into um, the, 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 the personal sex life of all the inhabitants of original Blue Zones. But uh, in conversation with the 263 centenarians so far that we have spoke to, Many of them were active sexually. Um, when we looked at um, people in their 90s and, and hundreds and looked at their death records, we noticed that some of them spoke to dying in the act of, uh, of sex. Um, so um, what I can share with you is that we do see um, um, activity uh, in these 90-year-olds and, and 100-year-old centenarians. But it sounds like there's room for some research in that area. Indeed. 
because there is some evidence that sexual activity in and of itself is, is healing, and the reason it's so enjoyable is because it's providing a healing experience to our whole psychophysical system. And uh, I'd be interested in knowing more. Perhaps that's something you uh, will be looking uh, into in the future as you continue to examine uh, uh, these five groups. Um, what else? What else shall we be talking about now? In order, oh, I do know what I want to talk about because we have a, a few minutes left. Uh, Petra Schulte, who's a local person uh, here in Mendocino County, uh, is working with some uh, uh, civic leaders. Uh, to establish blue zones here in the county, and I'd like you to tell us now about establishing blue zones here in the United States. Yeah, the question for us, well, once uh, Dan wrote the book and we did the original research is, okay, this is great, what do we do next? And we received a call from AARP, uh, they had read the book, and they asked us, could we replicate a blue zone here in America? So we actually created an approach to take the learnings from the longest-lived populations and to create a community transformation model that would get people doing more of these things within kind of the life radius of, of where they live, working with community policy leaders, employers, restaurants, schools, grocery stores, faith-based communities, civic groups, nonprofits, the media, uh, volunteering, et cetera. We did a pilot project in 2008, and no one had ever tried this before, and there were some extraordinary outcomes. We saw city workers' health care claims uh, drop by over 40%. Uh, people smoking in the county uh, reduced by 17%. People moving more, eating better, um, increased 80%, but we were able to train a whole community of volunteers on a path of permanently or semi-permanently changing environments and lifestyles and social networks so that healthy choices were, were just simply the default. Um, fast forward from 2009, uh, we've been scaling this model across the country. We're um, active now in nine states and 42 communities, and these communities are seeing grants and gifts come into the community for better built environment um, uh, walking school buses, safe routes to school, um, infrastructure changes to nudge people into moving more and not to be so car dependent or to eat healthier, access fresh and healthy foods. Um, and we are in conversations um, with uh, the city of Ukiah and the county um, to bring the 43rd uh, Blue Zone project uh, to that community. Uh, one of our past projects were in Southern California, uh, that project is in its sixth year. We've been able to cut childhood obesity in that population by over 50%. Oh, so as you see, the rest of the, uh, the, the country uh, rates increase. Imagine a community of 130,000 that is raising a generation of people, of kids, that will start businesses, start family, and talk about a a, a, a complete generational shift in well-being, and that's what we're hoping to share with Ukiah. Uh, that is so exciting that it's happening here in Ukiah, and I hope for those of you who are listening, get the book, The Blue Zones, 
Tony, suppose people who are listening to this right now, they say, hey, I want to get together. I want to contact the Butners or the Blue Zones. And we can they contact someone and say, we want to start a Blue Zone community right here where we live? They sure can. So all they'd have to do is to go to bluezone.com. There's an enormous amount of resources, free resources, information. They can sign up for a newsletter. And there's actually a request form for uh, those organizations that would like to have one of our speakers come out or communities that are interested in um, pursuing a Blue Zone project in their community. There's a place in Finland that was designated... uh, what a terrible designation. I just got a signal here. Five more minutes. Four more minutes? Okay, we're good. A place in Finland that was designated as the least healthy place on the planet. I think it's called Karelia. Did I pronounce it correctly? Yes, North Karelia. North Karelia. And you all went in there and made some changes. Briefly, tell us what happened in North Karelia to the least healthy place in the world. Absolutely. So just first, it wasn't us that did any changes. It was part of a a grant from National Geographic to study community health initiatives and identify what works and what doesn't. And it took us two years to find one that had been successful. There's never been a successful one in America that has reduced a chronic disease and sustained it. And we found North Karelia, and we've spent a lot of time there. Uh, Back in the early 70s, they had the highest rate of cardiovascular disease uh, and chronic heart disease. Um, Four um, graduate students um, launched an idea to change that, and they also looked at environments and lifestyles to try to change environments to make healthy choices easy. Um, They worked with the media. They trained ambassadors. They changed food systems and, and recipes for food. Um, They went to employers. Um, After three short years, there was a reduction of heart attacks in working-age men from age 18 to 65 by 85%. And 30 years later, they've sustained that. You see high blood pressure going down. You see diabetes going down. You see tobacco going down. And it was really the impetus and... Um, uh, the foundation of how we built our model on how we approach our work, focusing on permanent and semi-permanent changes to environments, lifestyles, and social networks, and the places that we spend our time. So healthy choices are simply the default. So in effect, what what you learned and what you're bringing to us that was learned in Karelia was how to affect cultural change. Because my understanding of what was going on in Karelia is that they were a meat-based culture because they hunted uh, for their food, being in a a remote area. And they actually had cultural changes, including the restaurants and the the, uh, food service places made cultural changes, didn't they? That's right. Prior to this intervention, lots of butter, lots of real heavy... Uh, 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 fat, fatty milk, and lots of sausage with, with salt. And, and, and some of the simple changes they did were to, uh, to get um, farmers to grow a, a grape to make a healthier oil. They were able to go to the sausage makers and pull out about 25% of the fat and, and add fruits or 
mushrooms or healthy herbs. And again, just those small changes that just added up. Um, they, 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 they weren't preserving fruits or growing them. So they were, had to import everything. Things were very expensive. They started to grow berries. They had okay. a huge uh, uh, media push of how to preserve those and, and offered recipes. So again, just this, it wasn't one silver bullet. I got it. It, got was, it, it was implementing the silver buckshot approach uh, through a system that just simply made healthier choices the default. Perfect place to stop, Tony. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. This was Tony Butner of the Blue Zones. Go to the internet, bluezones.com. The book is The Blue Zone Solution. Folks, thank you for joining us. This has been a very exciting program. I hope you'll all look into the Blue Zones because your life may depend upon it. Come back in exactly two weeks. I'll be talking to you about a major breakthrough with regard to something that affects millions of men in this country, erectile dysfunction. We're going to be talking to Dr. Richard Gaines of the Gaines Wave, a new procedure. Two weeks from now at 9 o'clock Pacific Daylight Time. Until then, this is Dr. Richard Miller reminding you that good health is worth working hard for, and it's essential for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Clouds of 